Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-hosts, Rodrigo and Jaron. What is up, guys? Today, we'll be getting into the Mavericks 119-113 to loss to the Golden State Warriors up in the Bay Area without Luka, without Christian Wood. The Mavericks rotation was fairly depleted in this one. They were missing Davis Bertans as well. Stephen Curry for the Golden State Warriors, he went down with an injury in the third quarter after after uh, bumping McKinley Wright's knee on a drive. Uh, the Mavericks were forced to play a lot of guys sort of at the end of the bench that do- don't normally get in, but they still uh, were able to kind of stand the test of time, and they were able to keep up with the Warriors late in the game after being down early. They got down pretty early in that first quarter, and they were playing catch-up most of the game. But come that fourth quarter, they showed a little bit of grit and fight, and they were able to get back into the game. Um, only finished uh, losing by six, and I believe that that was the slimmest margin that they had got it to since the beginning of the game or somewhere around there. We'll start with you, Jaron. Uh, what was your brief reaction to the game before we go ahead and head to the ad break? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, to start, it definitely looked like a game where the Mavericks waved the white flag as soon as the game started. Uh, but as the game treaded along and third quarter started to wind down, like you could definitely tell this team felt like they were in the game. And uh, that fourth quarter is actually pretty fun to watch. But I'm not going to take anything too negative away. I feel like this was honestly a pretty positive loss or as positive a loss as you can take away. Uh, and I think that's really main takeaway is, you know, you, you'll take what you can get from this kind of loss. Yeah. What about you, Rodrigo? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you don't have your uber superstar in in Luka Doncic I mean you're expected to lose you know now the Mavericks are 0-7 without him and and that's kind of one of those things where it's not the best of situations but I guess the main main takeaway like like Jaron was kind of saying is that at least you showed fight you know At, at, at least there there was some sort of an attempt to try to win without him uh there are still flaws all over this roster and obviously we'll get to that uh tomorrow when we do the the the, the trade pod um you know i guess the other good thing is uh i guess jordan Poole didn't see any bot any baddies out there that's because he would have put <laughs> yeah, a 50 piece on us if he yeah. was a baddie or two no i was gonna bring up the fact that a couple guys from golden state actually played like way under their means but then at the conversely draymond had you know a higher scoring output than he typically does. So they did get some positive regression from some guys. It was a sort of weird game, but at the end of the day, they had six guys finish in double figures. So, I mean, you can't really micro critique them that much. Um, but I do think the Mavericks benefited a little after Steph went out with that injury. And that was uh, definitely uh, part of the causation that helped them get back in the game. So, but at the same time, they did, they did show some grit in the fourth quarter and um it was definitely out of the seven losses that the Mavericks have had without Luca. It was probably maybe only one or two of them now that I've came away, not really mad at the situation and actually viewing this team as competent without Luca. Um, this is one of the few games I'm like, okay, you know, they lost and they were clearly the worst team tonight, but it wasn't to a point of emphasis where it was like, Oh damn. Like the alarm bells are, Rage, you know, like if had they been playing a worse team, I think they really could have won. So we'll get into it and everything about this game, of course. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right. So getting into this one today, guys, out the gates, the Warriors off ball movement was just shredding the Mavericks down to an absolute T in that first quarter. There were a lot of moving parts. Curry and Clay started to get hot. And the Mavericks, on the other hand, were really having having a tough time trying to gather the wherewithal to um, supplement for the offense lost by Luca's departure. Spencer Dinwiddie was, uh, you know, spearheading the ball, ball handling there. Uh, Josh Green, you know, was getting the ball at the wing, at the point of attack to be able to do some things. But outside of that, in that first quarter, they were definitely kind of hard-pressed to generate uh, any sort of offense. 
Uh, Jaron, speak to the Mavericks struggles in that first quarter and how you thought the game was going to go just after the first quarter ended with Golden State up uh, 40 to 23 with a 17 point lead. Yeah, I I mean, this game looked, uh, like I said, start to finish, it looked like the Mavericks were pretty much waving the white flag. Um, You know, there was a point there in the first quarter where the Mavericks looked like they were actually playing semi-decent team basketball, but that very quickly fizzled out. Uh, I want to say Draymond started making threes, and then, of course, the rest of the team started getting things going. Um, But yeah, I just the off-ball movements was just too much. Uh, I mean this already defensive struggling team on the Mavericks just couldn't handle it. Uh, and it was very quick, very easy, de- decisive offense from the Warriors uh, in that first quarter. And they pretty much took the game in their own hands very quickly. Um, in terms of offense, it just, you know, wasn't anything pretty. It was a lot of, you know, taking it down to the final seconds of the shot clock, a lot of one possession offense, uh, wasn't a whole lot of movement and, yeah, it was it was mainly in the hands of, you know, Tim Hardaway, uh, Spencer. We saw Dorian bring up the ball a few times, but I think that was really where the Mavericks struggled um, was just defensively the Warriors, you know, and they, they've become they've trademarked that sort of off ball making making nice cuts and, you know, off ball screens and everything. They've trademarked that sort of offense. Uh, and that's exactly how they dissected this Mavericks defense, at least in that first quarter. Yeah, man, it's a lot of horns. It's a lot of double drags. It's a lot of split action, uh, back cuts, V cuts, down screens. I mean, they, they throw the kitchen sink at you, this Warriors team. And we saw it last year in the Western Conference Finals. That Mavericks team, who admittedly probably at that point was a much better defensive team than this, this Mavericks team right now, with very similar personnel. I guess maybe it's the Jason Kidd effect where – he goes to a team and their defense is good the first year and then seemingly gets figured out after that, whatever you, I mean, you can think of whatever it is, right. But at the end of the day, this team is leaps and bounds behind that team defensively. You know, Maxie is out. We can give them that much. You know, he is one of their defensive anchors, but aside from that, they're not really missing anybody key. And this Warriors team, like I said, just was able to dissect them, you know, down to the point in that first half. And, they had a really, they had a lot of trouble keeping up with it. They were behind on rotations. They had a lot of errant switches. I mean, even some of the Mavericks, like top defenders, like Finney Smith and Josh Green, they got lost like a lot in this game, uh, you know, at the point of attack. And, and it was hard to see because it, it just kind of seemed like they were hopeless out there. Um, but the Mavericks were able to at least gain some of their sense back uh, on the offensive end in that second quarter where they scored 35. How are they able to do it? Uh, Rodrigo, how are the Mavericks, uh, how are their, how are the players in this one, you know, and Josh Green and Dinwiddie and even Tim in this one started to make a huge uh, impact, but, you know, mainly Dorian Finney-Smith, he had a huge first half. I believe he had 14 points in that first half. How are they able to supplement in that uh, second quarter without Luca and, uh, you know, at least kind of maintain competence uh, until we got to halftime? Well, okay, so I did want to backtrack a little bit, and I did want to mention something that Jaron just brought up about uh, about Draymond Green hitting threes and and hitting well, hitting, yes. hitting getting his points. So I want I'm going to give you your crazy stat for the night. Are you? Uh, we're and we're going to play a little game with it too. Uh, we need um, to start getting so, for this, but go ahead. No, so all right. So do you want to guess the um, the record for the Warriors? when Draymond Green hits two three, two or more threes a night or a game, okay. in a game. This is all time? Yes, this is all time. And since Draymond's been with the Warriors, it I'll give you a hint. They have over 100 wins and less than 20, less than 30 losses. Well, I thought it was going to be like really crazy, like zero losses and like 80 wins. It, it's still a crazy number though. Okay. Um. I guess I'll go first. I'm going to go 120 and 17. You go, Jaren. Close. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to probably stick around there. I, You know, Draymond's not a guy who hits a lot of threes. I know earlier in his career he was – Yeah, least, at one point he was like a league average three points. Yeah, he was like, he was like pretty prominent. But, and then uh, uh, I guess he was just carrying around that backpack too much. Yeah, he's gone down a bit for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely gone down. Uh, I'll go – I'll go one – what did you say it was over like over 100, 100 under 30 i'll go 115 and like 25 
124 and 24 when Draymond Green hits two plus three-pointers a game. And he hit three tonight. That's crazy. Yeah, that is... That added to another win. And he was he was close to a triple double as well. He was one rebound and an assist away from. I mean, yeah, so that was like the one thing defensively that the Mavericks, like they were conceding Draymond shooting threes, and that was the one thing that that was like their fail safe when everything kind of started to um, hit the fan, and they were just missing rotations. They were playing catch up basically on that side of the ball. I was like, okay, at least if Draymond's wide open in the corner, then we'll probably get the ball back. But I mean, he was making a mint tonight. He was making like, yeah. Um, yeah, no, and and, and I mean, the Mavericks, the Mavericks on defense, a lot of times just remind me of a chef that is trying to get his kitchen under control, that's but it's like doing it, ten yeah. different things at the same time, and and the, yeah. the the pots and pans are flying left, right, and center. And I'm like, dude, can it? Is it? Does it have to be that difficult? Like, yeah. can you not put a Dwight Powell on a Draymond Green and see if that'll work and see if he'll get cooked? And if he gets cooked, switch it up to another person. And if it's not like, can you not? Are you Jason Kidd? Are you not capable of switching your matchups? Like, is that what we're doing here? Yeah. Because well, the, I mean, even tonight, man, I, I do think that they were like really switch heavy in that first and second quarter. And I honestly thought that that's what started to come back to bite them because they couldn't keep up with Golden State's off-ball movements. They were starting to switch everything. And you could see, especially like the rookies, like Hardy and Green. I mean, guys who are talented athletically and are great one-on-one defenders typically, um, you know, diagnose Hardy as a, how good he is on defense, but he's played relatively good one-on-one defense this year, but they were just getting lost out there. Uh, that's a lot to keep up with, man. I mean, that's the, just the highest level of, you know, you got to be, you know, heels on your toes or whatever the saying is in terms of, being you know having everything ironed out and knowing all your switches and i mean in a playoff series that's a little bit easier because you have the time to plan and all that sort of stuff but during the regular season i mean the warriors can always throw you in for a loop and catch you off guard and i think that's kind of what happened tonight i mean even some guys like clay thompson didn't even have the best shooting game jordan Poole didn't really seemingly do anything but the they were just getting so many wide open looks and a couple draymond threes and that really just swung the tide for them in this one um, but it was it was tough to keep up with them defensively. The Mavericks went to a zone for a little brief period in that second quarter that I predicted on Twitter. Shout out to me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I was like, yeah, like what I basically my point bringing that up is not to be cocky or anything. But what I was trying to say is that the Mavericks were switching everything and everything was getting so boggled up that, you know, I just knew that they weren't going to be able to maintain that because there were so many guys just getting wide open driving lanes and wide open threes. So they went to a zone for a very, like a couple possessions before a timeout. And then after that, we saw them switch things a little less, kind of what I was alluding to, what I predicted they might do. And that ended up kind of um, riding the ship for them. And I, mean, I prefaced that they should, point. yes, they did play small ball. I mean, I kind of had to match the Warriors from that perspective, especially because, you know, you know, when Dw- it was either they were playing small ball or Dwight Powell's in. And I mean, that that's kind of what they had to run with just in terms of their big man situation right now. But, um, you know, it, the, the Warriors are just so switchable on defense too. But, you know, the Mavericks in that second half were able to take advantage of the Warriors' lack of a rim protector. They were getting to the rim a lot. And on, to- on the other side of things, um, defensively, the Mavericks, I thought, did a much better job because Curry was out. I might add this. This is why I mentioned at the top of the pod that him being out aided a lot for the Mavericks. When, you know, Curry's not in the game, you have the luxury to play a little more man up, you know, not switch as many things um, because you just don't have as much off ball speed going around. Right. There's not as much diversification of the offense there. I mean, there's still a lot. It's the Golden State system, of course. But, you know, you don't have the crazy D, uh, Curry, Draymond, DHOs. So him being out in that second half gave them the ability to, you know, anchor down and stay in on some guys a little more. And that's how they were getting some of those stops down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were, you know, it was good effort and discipline too. Um, but that definitely helped them. Some of those guys over at Golden State look a little bit rattled at the end of the game. But that was helping them a lot. Um, so we saw the sort of tail of two halves um, in terms of the defense there. But I'm just happy Curry didn't play in that second half because I think Golden State could have put that game away a little more decisively. Um, I mean, so I guess Rodrigo could just kind of backtrack uh, to the question. What what exactly went right for the Mavericks in that second quarter offensively? Um, since we kind of all got caught off guard there uh, for a moment. 
no you're good um it, it was it was really the question that i kind of posted that that kind of <laughs> maybe through through it through the through the original question that you had asked me off guard but um i think it's just that guys started hitting their shots really that was the big thing is that is that guys finding their creating their space and 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 you know generating enough there was one play i believe it was from josh green where he just kind of drove into the lane and kicked it out to tim hardaway jr yeah found not a wide open three but a a three just perfect enough for him to hit it and that's my thing with 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 tim hardaway tim hardaway had 22 points tonight that that right in its own right it has been the most production in my eyes that we've seen from tim hardaway jr in at least a week as a minimum, it's been a yeah. week since Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, had that production. Probably more. Probably like two, three weeks. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being generous here at this yeah. point. But, but yeah, no. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, uh, excuse, excuse me, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, we've seen that level of production from him can semi-consistently or mostly consistently. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, so it doesn't surprise me that he hit 25 points. I did have a list here of my most impressive guys for tonight. Uh, in, yeah, well, and let's, in, let's, go in, let's go in depth into everybody because I, I did – this was a game that I talked about. I said on Twitter, not to bring it up Twitter again, but to, you know, this was a game where it was very predictable in the sense that, you know, Luca and Wood were out. We, we probably knew that we were going to lose coming into it. Golden State's been, they've had a little bit of an uptick in their play recently. But what I was really looking for was just, you know, how some of these end of, end of bench guys performed. Could they sort of semi carve out any sort of role in the rotation whatsoever? And, you know, how does Josh, Jaden Hardy, you know, Dorian, how did the main the mainstay role in you know, the mainstream mainstream maps? How did the mainstream role players uh, fare? I had to plug us in there. I had to. It's um, but yeah, so that that was kind of what I was looking forward to in this game. I wasn't really as much, you know. Obviously, I would much take a win over a loss, one hundred percent. But having the notion that we were probably going to lose this game beforehand, I leveled out my expectations and was more so just looking to guys individually to see how they played in a situation like this. Cause I mean, that, that does mean a lot, like in a situation where you're really behind the curve in terms of talent and personnel, how, how do you step up to the plate, you know? So carry on with what you were going to say in regards to if you thought the best guys were tonight. Yeah, no. So I have a list of six players and you, and now you guys can tell me if where you would flip them or, or, or where you would keep them relative to where you thought you guys thought that they played tonight. But I, in my opinion, I thought that the most impressive guy, despite his lack of minutes, was Jaden Hardy. He had 11 points. I think it was 11 points in like 13 minutes of play. That's impressive. That's impressive, and that's darn near worthy of starting like six-man to roll, like very good role-player minutes. And that's what everybody has been harping on. In my eyes, that's what everybody's been harping on, to play Jaden Hardy more, to play JG more. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. was my second most impressive guy for tonight. Spencer Dinwiddie after that. Uh, Dodo at, at, uh, at the five spot. And then I think, uh, JG, uh, was my least impressive and it, it, it's not just due to anything he did or didn't do. I think it's just point points wise. He only had 12 points in 27 so, minutes. Just to preface, he's the least impressive out of the impressive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, I mean, that's a, that, it, it is a long list, but, uh, then you have okay. guys like Reggie Bullock and McKinley, Wright Putting up five point duds. Okay. And then you have Dwight Powell who, who went, uh, who, and, and got himself over, over uh, 10 points. He got himself exactly 10 points and seven rebounds. So a- again, Dwight Powell's right outside of that cusp. Cause he, I think he would be seven in my eyes, but, but Jaden Hardy was, was, was the most impressive in my That's eyes. A very the short game. amount that, of time that we saw him in, he was the most impressive. Jared, Real- you first. I want to hear your order. <laughs> Real quick. <clears throat> I know that you said McKinley, I put up a five point dud. I just have to say, I thought McKinley actually played pretty good. I did too. Um, I thought he. I, I think offensively he was pushing the ball a lot, and that's something that we have not seen at all this year. Uh, in in his right, he played pretty good defense. He was matched up against Draymond at times, and it was kind he of he did a watching. decent job against. Uh, but he honestly held his own. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he did. No, before he was hurt. Yeah, basketball um, defensive player of the year, baby. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but I would I would honestly say that, uh, especially given the the diminished role that McKinley Wright has been given over these last probably month or so. Uh, I was really pleased with how he played, especially on the defensive side, even offensively, he only went two for seven from the field, but I thought offensively he played pretty good. As he was well. creating good looks for himself. He just, exactly. He just exactly. wasn't really hitting him. You know, he was getting to, he was making, you know, all five foot 11 of him was, making was for why are you going at that man's height why are you going at that man's height like that dude just just in comparison to nba players 
I'm the, I'm the same guy. height as him. I'm the same height as him. So we can we can bat heads all we want, but me and him <laughs> are standing the same height at the end of the day. So, um, so anyways, go on. I think I think you had Dorian in your fourth spot. I would probably put him up higher, probably in the top two. Yeah, I thought Dorian played a, a good game and a really good Dorian game. played an excellent game. Yeah, I thought I had yeah, him at exactly. the five. I had Dorian at my first spot. <clears throat> so you had him at five. Okay. I would probably yeah. put him one or two. Um, I thought, you know, especially for his output tonight, I thought he played amazing. I know you said excellent, Will. Uh, I, I think he definitely, you know, he's had a few of these games now in a row where he's playing amazing. It, it, and this Dorian definitely... is back. Yeah. Yeah, it, this, yeah. Yeah. He's back. He's back. Yeah. Um, it, it... And that's and that's and that's fair, but and he almost got himself a double double. My thing with with Hardy is is he's a rookie and he's yeah. he, he got himself yeah. like he got himself darn near a point a minute. That's tough to do as a rookie. He, yeah, like the thing is, is like Shane Hardy is just so inconsistent. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that you said these are like six man type numbers, and I I would love to say that. Uh, I or think like nine are... man. I'm sorry, that's what I, I went a little bit too high, but okay, eight, okay. eight to nine. Oh, yeah. man, sorry. Yeah. Okay, no, and that I would I would be more comfortable with that. I think he's a guy that should have a role. Uh, but with that being said, we've also seen him, you know, play against Detroit and hit a huge rookie wall in one game. Um, so I think that's where I would say. Uh, and then you had Tim Hardaway. Where did you have him? Number two, I think. Yeah, I had him. I had him right there, at number two. I, he would be my bottom six. I think I I wasn't too pleased with Tim. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I, wow! I'm always gonna go okay. at Tim's head. Uh, but I honestly coming at that man's head top. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, he had a better offensive production game. Uh, he produced a whole 22 points, which he should have been producing for the last three months or three weeks. Sorry. Um, but with that being said, it seems like he chooses to show up whenever Luca's not in town. And, uh, I mean, this is a game where you expect him to play like this, especially whenever Luca's out. Uh, and granted, I mean, he still shot a pretty decent five of 10 from the three-point line. And that's what you want to see. Uh, but yeah, I think in terms of my ranking, that's where I would stick it at. Uh, I thought Josh Green had a pretty good game. Spencer as well. He had, it was, it was all right. Um, and I, I was pretty pleased with Dorian or uh, with Dwight. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, in terms of my ranking, I would definitely put Dorian number one. I mean, I know he didn't have the same offensive output in the second half, but in that first half, he was, affecting the game offensively in a really in a way that I just haven't seen him do before uh, because I don't, I don't think he really has uh, I mean, he's really never tasked upon typically when Luca's playing uh, to be able to do some of the things that he had to do tonight. And, you know, in games that Luca's out, he usually doesn't step up to the plate to this degree. He was attacking off closeouts really well. Um, he even created a few looks for others. He was attacking the offensive glass really well, had four offensive rebounds tonight, had like a couple of his own putbacks that he got back and some stuff off other people. And he was playing, I mean, I thought he was probably easily the best defender out there tonight, even better than Josh Green, uh, who I thought got lost in a few of his rotations. So, I mean, just from that perspective, you know, he was making all of his threes tonight, he's consistent from the three-point line or the free throw line as well. Just a very like sound game from him. You know, it wasn't flashy. We, we didn't even see any like athletic, you know, finishes from him or anything like that. But he was doing all the dirty work and he, you know, the box score showed up as a benefactor because of that. I mean, I think it was honestly like probably a top two or three game from him this year. So I'd probably say him number one just because, you know, the both sides of the ball aspect. Uh, Spencer, probably number two. Fair, fairly self explanatory. Uh, lead ball handler tasked with doing something bigger. Uh, with Luke out, obviously, scores 25. He did have some boneheaded decisions down the stretch where I thought he settled a bit, uh, had a few really bad turnovers. And obviously, you see a very clear distinction between, you know, running this sort of pseudo heliocentric offense through him versus, uh, you know, when you're running it with your mainstay in Luca. But none, nonetheless, I mean, in these games that Luca's been out, he, always tends to step into the plate really as much as he can against a tough Warriors defense. What more can you ask? He scores 25. Third, I would probably go with Josh Green because I thought, and I put, I said this on Twitter as well. I thought the way that he was able to withstand a rough shooting night uh, really gave me the justification to be like, okay, like this is why he should start over Tim Hardaway Jr. Even though I know that's not going to happen. 
just simply because if Josh Green has a bad shooting night in this instance, you know, two for four from the free throw line, 0 for four from three, he just couldn't hit a three tonight, right? He still is able to mitigate the situation by attacking the rim, um, you know, attacking off of closeouts. He's still able to plow guys into the basket. I mean, he's taking guys off the dribble now. It's not just the typical Josh Green attack off a of closeout. He's able, I mean, he's using like through the legs, dribbles at the elbow to get by guys on drives. He's taking advantage of mismatches a little bit. I mean, it's no, it's not like shot creator level. He's not dicing up mid-range jump shots here, but I mean, he's getting to the rim by himself, creating something out of nothing. And that is just a very big stark contrast from where he was a year ago. So the fact that he was able to do that, still play competent defense. Yeah. He got himself in a little bit of foul trouble towards the end there. And that's why he didn't finish the game. Um, still was able to do a little playmaking tonight. Um, he had like two really the passes that are, you know, really ingrained in my mind. One that Rodrigo mentioned that wraparound to THJ where he got it off on the baseline. I mean, that's, that's Luca esque in terms of having the athletic ability and um, just the, uh, you know, not to get all Andrew Tate here, but the cognitive dissonance to be able to pull that off that that's uh that, that takes a lot of, a lot of wit. Right. Um, and that, that doesn't mean I support Andrew Tate guys. I just, that's a funny quote from TikTok. <laughs> he has to disregard, put it. <laughs> disregard it. Okay. This is a Mav centric podcast, but nonetheless, um, just some of the things he was able to do playmaking wise and defensively were really impressive tonight, uh, despite him having a bad shooting night. And that gave me the, um, that like ingrained in my mind that I could be like, okay, I think I would take him above Tim as a starter because if Tim's having a bad night shooting, we don't see any of those other complimentary aspects that you're getting from Josh Green, like not even close. No, not even it's close. Just, it's just 30 minutes of nothingness. Uh, Tim had a good shooting night tonight, guys. He had some very boneheaded plays down the stretch. He had a few really errant passes to one to JaVale McGee, who was sitting on the bench. Um, and he had some really bad drives, but I'm not going to negate uh, giving credit where credit is due. He came off curl-offs tonight. He was draining his threes. He – you know, he synced into a few mid-range jump shots off some closeouts. Had a good offensive game. Um, so I would put him four. Then I would probably give um, – and I'm losing track of everybody here. Um, uh, who was the sixth? Okay, I'd probably put Hardy sixth or fifth. Um, to push back on what you said a little bit, Rodrigo, I'm not saying I disagree, but I do think that – um, I do agree with the fact that you said Hardy could be like an eighth and ninth man type guy in the rotation, you know, especially when he's having good games like this. But I, you know, I know that you were like really harping on the whole 11 points and like a point per minute almost, but I do think it's a little overblown to an extent. He, I mean, he played well and I'm not negating that. I was excited. He got to the rim in a few stops, but I mean, he still went one for five from three. Um, he, he still there. It wasn't like his like stretch against New York where he had those 15 points and like, however many minutes, the, just the way he was getting his baskets. He got fouled a few times. It looked a little more laborsome, I guess, than it has in some of his games where things have just kind of tended to come a little more seamless for him. Um, there definitely were a couple, you know, misrotations from him on defense and things of that nature. But he didn't, you know, I'm, I'm proud of him for going up against, you know, Steph Curry and Clay. It's not easy thing to do for a guy that's literally only 20, 20 years old and, you know, still – get a few tough buckets in there but you know some of his points too really weren't in the most important minutes of the game either so I guess that's why I would push back on that and then uh was it Dwight was the last person that yeah Dwight. Was, well it was like he was right right outside of the most of the six most impressive guys for me tonight and oh, who's, who's your six most impressive guy then uh JG because okay, was... I, I ranked Dorian Tim Spencer yeah. Josh and Jaden so that's five Who so yeah I'd leave Dwight or um, AJ Dwight or, Re- or Reggie. Yeah. We'll go with Dwight. I thought he played a sound game, you know. I mean, it, I mean it, obviously he couldn't generate really anything in the pick and roll because the – I mean, Kevon Looney was matching him head-to-head. He's one of those highly switchable, you know, insanely versatile defensive centers, especially against a Dwight Powell. We saw him shut him down completely in his limited minutes in the Western Conference final last year. Uh, but Dwight still got a few putbacks and he still got a few um, layups and dunks just via via being in the right spot, sticking in that dunker spot after the Mavericks were able to throw some switches off. So and he, he didn't really have the lob game there for him tonight because 
the Warriors were able to patch that and no Luca to manipulate those pick and rolls, but he, he 10, 10.7 rebounds. Yeah. Uh, he gets um, my sixth pick. So, yeah. Uh, real quick before we move on, I just want to point this out about Dorian. His last five games, uh, he's averaging 13 points, nine rebounds in 35 and a half minutes and shooting 40% from the three-point line. So I just want to point that out. He's I think he's been, back. Yeah, I think, I think he's back. So Love it. Yeah. Um, I guess next we'll go ahead and segue. We've obviously covered – we've obviously covered – bad voice, Craig. We've obviously covered everything within the first half, and, you know, we've kind of hashed out some of these individual performances. If there's any guys – before we go ahead and segue into how the Mavericks – whether the storm in the second half that you would like to point out before we get into this next segment in terms of how they played tonight and you were impressed by, you guys have the floor. Um, I guess we'll start with you, Jaron, if you have anybody with not and pass it on to Rodrigo. I'm going to say it here. AJ Lawson. I thought he played pretty good. Um, he Honestly, pretty efficient. Uh, and defensively, I'm not even going to lie. He looked pretty sound. Uh, he Again, he was kind of the culprit in sort of these zoom off screens where he'd get caught up. Uh, and guys would just be easy backdoor cuts. Um, like, he'd just kind of get lost in the defense a little bit. Yeah, but, but it's hard to, to go out there after, like, you know, not playing at all night tonight. And no, exactly. To exactly. With defense. He, he did get lost on defense a few times, but I thought in that fourth quarter, after he got a little run out there, he definitely started. Yes. Um, he, I saw him eyeball a few switches, and I was like, okay, he got that down. So No, and he, he looked – fluent within the offense like the first and I, I granted I mean he got here like as a day game or like the day of a game I don't remember which game he got signed but um I think he's definitely like integrated himself in this offense uh, and he offensively he looked really fluent uh he like I said a, a efficient two for four from the field um and you know nothing major but I thought you know he really stuck out to me he was in that unit that kind of brought the game back to life yeah uh, early in that fourth quarter and late in that third quarter. And that that was kind of what stuck out to me was I, I think he just looked – he looked fluid uh, and he looked like a role player, honestly. And I, I think that's all you can ask from him. Yeah, no, to add on to that, um, before we move on to you, Rodrigo, I'd just like to talk about A.J. Lawson a little more. Um, he, I mean, he shot four, three threes tonight and he only made one, but all of his threes were like in and out. I mean, he's just a really fluent stroke. This is a guy that, I mean, obviously a lot of Mavs fans may not put too much stock into this guy, but – if the Mavericks do do some of the things that we'll get to in our trade deadline primer that we've had to postpone sadly to tomorrow, that we will be getting it out um, tomorrow evening for you guys. We're splitting it up into two parts. It's going to be a huge thing. If he, if we move on from some of these guys, this guy could have like a distinguished role on this team. Even better yet, like he could come in as a third wing on this team if he starts to carve out some sort of role as a three and D guy in this team. Like I, I'm pretty high on this guy. I mean, even just compared to the summer, he looks a little bigger and stronger fat, you know, more, you know, mobile. I mean, he was obviously a highly athletic guy, but he does look a little like tentative out there. Like he's kind of getting things down at times to, to your point, Jaron. But I mean, he, he has the measurables to be a really defensive uh, versatile guy. And, you know, as well as that, the shots really good um, as well tonight, he had that nice putback uh, layup. So, yeah. you know, he had a few, he was snagging a few boards in there and he, he has a skill set to him that, could be really intriguing and could be useful in this rotation as a two-way guy. That's why I was clamoring for him so hard over the, after having watched him in summer league. And I know not to trip over summer league guys, but I don't know. I'm really high on this guy and I do want to see maybe uh, this may have got netted him a few more minutes going forward. I hope it does because I think he's worth it. Um, I obviously wanted to see a little bit of Chris Silva, our new 10 day guy tonight. I guess the game never got to a point where we were just blowing or got blown out that much, obviously, uh, even though, even so though, I wish kid would have just thrown him out to the fire. You know, he's this, he's uh theoretically like this, you know, sort of small ball defensive five who can guard down a little bit. So I would have liked to see that a little bit, but unfortunately he did not get to go out on the court tonight, but yeah, no, I thought Lawson played good to your point. I thought McKinley Wright played decent. Um, outside of that, we saw like a little run from, Frank and uh, Mr. Theophilus Pen, uh, Pinson, host of the, uh, I think it's like the Theophilus. <laughs> yes, the, the the league tied podcast or the no, it's the, okay. title it? league title league podcast. That's what it's called. Yes, um, so he he's been shout out to him. He definitely does our numbers into a 
into a corner. But uh, Rodrigo, do you have any guys before we get into the segue to the second half that you'd like to give a special shout out to tonight? Can I go one on each team? Sure. I mean, where I was, I always try to save the, you know, looking at the other team for the very end. But if you want to give a shout to the Warriors guy right now, by all means, go ahead. Dante DiVincenzo uh, for having the most kick-ass name, just Dante DiVincenzo. <laughs> no, no, but I'm kidding. No, but on a, on a serious note, a lot yes, of swagger Dante... to him for a white boy. I'll say that much. Well, well <laughs> no, I'll, I'll give it to DiVincenzo still just because he, he put up 13 points and, and, and the Warriors needed every single one of those 13 points uh, with Curry out. Uh, you know, he, he went out in, in the, in the third quarter, which we'll get to obviously once we touch up really on the second half now, uh, but you know, once Curry went down, I mean, I mean, again, the, the, the Warriors needed every single one of his 13 points. That's as far as the Warriors are concerned as far. And I don't have a guy who I really, really want to give special, special props to, but I don't want him, his name to not go out without coming out of my mouth. Pause. <laughs> um, I don't want his name to not, you know, resonate. I guess is the word that I was trying to go with. Dante DiVincenzo is the guy that I I, I want to give special shout out, at least from the Warriors side for sure. But on the Mavericks side, I definitely want to highlight the work uh, that Dorian Finney-Smith did. Again, he almost had himself a double-double, 18 points and, and nine rebounds. And I know I said, you know, he was uh, XYZ impressive or whatever, but he was still impressive in my book. It's, it, it doesn't stop him from not being impressive. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, like I said, it was one of Dorian's best games of the year. Um, we'll get on to the Warriors guys later towards the end of the pod before we wrap things up. But um, I forgot to bring up the the one gripe I had with AJ Lawson tonight was that Jonathan Kaminga caught him slipping pretty hard tonight. Um, oh yeah, luckily, luckily <laughs> it, he it was not. a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, this is supposed to be a three and D guy here. Uh, what am- luckily he he ended up. I don't think that he ended up converting that possession. So no, so I got. Real quick with Kuminga, I do have a little story real quick, and, and I'll let you, uh, Jaren, I'll let you get to your point here in just a second. Do you want to know what one of my roommates used to call Kuminga? Oh, well, I, uh, I think I already know where this is going. It's but... probably it's probably definitely mainstream mass podcast appropriate, isn't it? No, it is not. It's, oh, it's the gum bucket. Oh, it's yeah, the gum bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Love, uh, a... <laughs> love it. I love that's it. That's what everybody has name. denoted him like. He gets buckets, though, so yeah. it actually applies. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, anyways jaren continue sorry um yeah no i i forget what i was saying but i was just saying that aj lawson's uh, or no actually i do remember kaminga actually did convert on that position which he broke oh he did AJ lawson, yeah it was off the off the bank you know oh, nice. layup but yeah. yeah he played a whole game tonight we'll get into him later but i mean with that being said i guess we will go ahead and segue into the next segment which is how the mavericks were able to um weather the storm in the second half um, we'll obviously start with you here, Jaron. Just from, I guess, a defensive uh, perspective, I talked about it a little bit in you know that um, first part of our first segment there. Um, but how are the Mavericks? What was the contrast in terms of what they did differently defensively uh, from the first to the second half? Yeah, I mean, in that second half, that was you know we mentioned this before, but that was a team that looked a little different offensively. Uh, they just looked like they th- they wanted things a little more. And I think it trickled onto defense. Uh, we've seen multiple times through this season where, you know, offense trickles into defense for this team. Uh, and this is another case. I think the Mavericks realized that they were in this game. Uh, it may have been a little bit too late in the in the game, uh, but nonetheless, they I think that they had some fight in them. They realized they were in this game, and that's, you know, really what it was. It's just more of a competing standpoint. They were um, rotating quicker, uh, you know, closing out to ball, closing out to shots a lot quicker running out and doing their thing that way. But, uh, you know, there's still the occasional up or occasional hiccups, you know, being late to the ball or uh, a backdoor cut. Like there's still the occasional that, uh, but I think this team overall just showed a lot more fight in that second half. You know, they realized they were actually in the game um, outside of like, I think it was the beginning of the third quarter. They went by, down by like 20 points. Um, but once they started chipping into that lead, that's whenever they realized, you know, let's get this thing going. And I, and props to them. I mean, they did they did play pretty good defense, I think, as the stretch or uh, as the fourth quarter went along. Yeah, no, 100 percent, especially after uh, Curry went out in that third quarter. Yeah, I think that's when the defense really started to right the ship, as I talked about in the aforementioned um, segment, you know, when I alluded to how Curry being out uh, definitely aided to 
the Mavericks being able to hone in and not having to switch everything as much. And they didn't, you know, have to dive into a zone or anything like that. They were able to play a little more stand up as there wasn't just as much moving parts or off ball movement going on there. And that definitely aided to them being able to, you know, lock in and, uh, you know, definitely some sort of golden state, uh, to the effect like that they were collapsing a little bit in those waning moments. They had some really errant passes. It wasn't all Mavericks. The Warriors were definitely sort of uh, right, sort of writing their own uh, grave or whatever, however you want to call it. But in those waning moments, the Mavericks did step up to the plate and they got some stops. Now on the other end, conversely, they were forced into some isolation possessions. You know, they did do a good job having uh, moving it around the perimeter and getting some open looks there in that uh in that fourth quarter but we saw the last like three or four minutes they really started to divert down to iso ball with tim and spencer and they had a little a little bit of a window and they just missed a few marks to where they could have got back in the game that they unfortunately just weren't able to capitalize on what did you think of the offensive process in those last four or five minutes rodrigo um, did were you did you enjoy it do you think the mavericks did a good job just sticking around or would you have liked to see more, maybe a little less ISO ball in those winning moments? No, I mean, you, you know, it, they they showed about as good an effort, I think, as this team could have possibly shown, uh, given, given the circumstances. I, I did want to mention something um, overall just with the effort, and, and I'll compare them to the Rockets because, well, first off, they're the only other team in Texas and that are short, are about as shorthanded as the Mavericks. And I think they lost – uh, Jeremy Sohan for a little bit uh, and, and a few other guys, but you're about the Spurs or the Rockets. I'm sorry, yeah, the Rockets. Excuse me, I don't know why I mentioned Sohan. Uh, they, okay. they lost. They, they lost a couple guys. That's is, is my point. I'm sorry, I I mixed them up a little bit, but yeah. Um, uh, the the Rockets are a little bit shorthanded and they got cooked tonight. I think it, they lost. It was like 153 to whatever, like 120, and and I don't remember who they lost to. But the difference between the Mavericks at least effort, effort-wise. The difference between the Mavericks effort-wise and the Rockets effort-wise, and I understand both of them are in completely different trajectories, but the Mavericks actually went went out and tried to win the game. Uh, and, and the thing is, too, is the Mavs only won one quarter, and that was the fourth quarter. They won it 27 to 17. They won it by 10 points. Actually, they won two quarters, excuse me. They won the second quarter, 35 to 33, and then they won the fourth quarter, 27 to 17. They only like definitively won one quarter. One quarter. Though. Yeah, they only definitively won one yeah. quarter. Correct. As opposed to the Rockets, so I don't think they won a single quarter. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, but that's just that just goes to show that this team. Yeah, they lost the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, uh, and, and they did not win a single quarter. Actually, I take that back. They won the fourth quarter only. So it, it's one of those things where where the effort level is certainly appreciated. You would like to get a win despite having the effort there, but you know, it, it, sometimes I guess it, it just won't go your way or whatever the case may be. And there were a couple calls too. I think that didn't go the Mavericks' way. Uh, a couple calls on Josh Green, I think that I saw that didn't go his way. Yeah, no, he was definitely getting shoved around, and there were some questionable calls. Conversely, when he was playing defense, that you know he got some sort of ticky tacky fouls, if you want to say that. But I mean, regardless, like you said, the effort level was there. They had a lineup that was actually quite interesting that actually was really a, a mainstay for them defensively in that fourth quarter that really started to right the ship. I believe it was Dorian, AJ Lawson, Josh Green. I want to say Tim was in there and then maybe Dinwiddie. And it was a small ball lineup. Um, you know, man, I think Jaden Hardy took Tim's position at one point, but small ball lineup with basically, you know, two offensive spearheads and Dinwiddie and Hardaway or Hardy in whatever instance they were doing and you know three pretty switchable wings and that actually was really what was getting them back in the game that was what was forcing the issue with all those turnovers and for a group that really hasn't seen any time together I thought that that was pretty impressive especially with no big man out there nobody to protect the rim uh, that was a really interesting lineup that they played down the stretch and Josh Green unfortunately had to get relegated to the bench because he got in foul trouble and he wasn't you know come back in the game and things from there got kind of dicey it just kind of seemed like they were playing possession by possession at that point and it was Dinwiddie or you know Tim Hardaway iso ball but you know they 
you know, stuck around and they had a hell of a game after wise. And to your point about the rockets and everything, and, you know, this Mavericks team, I think at least something we can appreciate about, appreciate about them, despite their 0 seven record without Luca, it's just due to the talent level and the personnel level. It's due to them just simply not being good enough. At least we're seeing that they give effort in these games, or at least in this one, there may have been that one or two that I've questioned that, but at least in this one, we're seeing that they're at least emptying the tank to try and get a win, even without Luca. And that can be appreciated with any group that doesn't have their star player running the show. So I did enjoy that aspect of things. The Mavericks, of course, do fall to nine and 17 on the road. Their um, road record is just very abysmal for whatever reason. They can't even get remotely to 500 in that category, but hopefully things tend to improve on that side. They fall to 28 and 26 on the season. They are now in the seventh seed after being in the fourth seed. The Warriors were in no, the Mavericks were in the sixth seed and they were in the fourth seed to start the night. The Warriors were in the 10th seed are now in the seventh seed just to show you how tightly packed the conglomerate that is the fourth through 13th seed in the West is. So it's very dicey and, I mean, we could keep going the rest of the way at this current rate, and the Mavericks could be the fourth in the West if the dominoes fall in the right place, or they could be effectively well out of the play-in. So we'll have to see how things pan out, but these wins are important. But in a game where Luka didn't play, not much more else you could expect. Before we go ahead and wrap this up, I wanted to get y'all's opinions on anybody else from the Warriors uh, that you really thought – showed out tonight or you know but definitely got your approval rating or was maybe the reason that the Mavericks had a specific issue more so than the Mavericks just beating themselves up like we'll go ahead and run through them real quick Jaron who are you pressing who are you impressed by uh from the Golden State side of things tonight uh barring some of the guys we already talked about yeah I, I would say green but you know we already did talk about him of course um let me look down the line here uh honestly you know, I know this is a guy that's torn us up quite a bit in the past, but I, I'm going to go with um, Kavon Looney. I, I know, Will, if you get a segment, I think I know who you're going to talk about, so I'll save it for you. Um, but I'm going to go with Kavon Looney. Uh, I mean, every, like, time after time against the Mavericks, he's able to grab an absurd amount of rebounds. We kind of held him in check with seven, but he didn't have to play a whole lot tonight. Um, you know, he was in foul trouble most of the game, uh, but we didn't have to – you know, of course, uh, hold him in check a little bit just due to that foul trouble. Uh, but he was able to grab that one ridiculous rebound, offensive rebound, I should say. Oh, yeah, falling out of bounds. Yeah. You guys were boxing and, out. Yeah. It was, in my eyes, I mean, it was a little bit of an over the back. But yeah. other than that, I it was it was an insane athletic display. And, yeah. uh, I mean, that pretty much sealed the whole game up for the Warriors. Um, and that play just sticks out to me. Just do – I mean, he's kind of like the guy that makes it go uh, outside of Draymond, of course. But – that, that play really stuck out to me. And I, I think that's probably, you know, my bright spot guy. Um, Rio, I don't know if you have anybody. You or anybody that you, do you have anybody else? I already said, yeah, I already said DiVincenzo, but uh, uh, let me give some love to Jordan. No, I'm kidding. No, 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 no Jordan Poole <laughs> tonight. No, 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 no. no. That man only had three points in 27 minutes. Yeah, he's about as, he's getting about as streaky as a, a Tim Hardaway Jr. Anyways, okay. um, shots fired. I, 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 <laughs> I want my shots to be fired at, at Tim Hardaway for – being what he's been anyways no uh give me Steph Curry uh just because and I know he's normal he's normally really really impressive but I think it had he not gotten injured I think he would have put up as a minimum a 35 piece like I think he would have gone yeah he was and, he was really on track tonight I mean in only yeah. 26 minutes he he really and he never he went seven for 11 and it was a very like quiet seven for 11 he only made two threes like most of it was him just you know basically sidestepping and hesitating into a layup after blowing past one of our guys. Well, so, well and here's another thing too about Kerr. I mean, he, he had seven assists and, and six rebounds. So again, he was yeah. not only just, he not, he not only was assisting, he not only was giving the ball out, but he was also going in and, and getting rebounds. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, he was also working his way to a triple double. And yeah. That in its own right is also impressive. I mean, to see like just the versatility of him over the years has been really interesting as he's got older because he comes in, you know, even in his MVP years when he was a bit younger, man, it was really just the playmaking and the three point shooting. I mean, now we really see him 
actually take pride on the defensive end and go for boards and stuff. And to see the evolution of that as he's got older has been really cool. So I hope he's okay. I hope that Steph, you know, his knee is all okay and stuff because I know he's been, you know, he's kind of been in the injury hub all year, but hopefully he's able to, um, you know, mitigate that and get through that. We, we send our, our well wishes over to him. Clay Thompson had a pretty bad game tonight. He went four for 11, was kind of just running around, you know, running around screens, running around double drags, trying to get threes and stuff. And he got his cardio in. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, played, <laughs> he got he got the Reggie Bullock effect. He played some he played some decent defense though. He he's I'm I'm taking him over Reggie Bullock hundred percent. Uh oh, yeah. Andrew Wiggins is a guy that they did not go to as much as I thought they could have. I thought they could have exploited him more. Like he was matched up on Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway, like some of the Mavericks' weaker defenders, and they didn't he cooked the Mavericks last year in the playoffs. I thought that they could have exploited some of those mismatches a little more, but he went for What you mean, like he, how he exploited Luca last last year in the in the conference uh, finals? To say, to say the <laughs> least, yeah, he put him onto he uh, he put Luca's head all the way back to Slovenia. Um, but Damn. yeah, that was an interesting statement, nonetheless. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, I thought we already mentioned him a little bit, but really stout defender, insane athletic tools. And even seeing his progression from last year has been cool because I don't think he played too much in that first affair. And he went out there tonight, man, and he was getting to the rim at will. Um, You know, he hit a three tonight. I mean, just looked like so much more of a polished offensive player than last year. And that was cool to see. He looked like if he got going, he could have just killed us. Obviously, you know, my home run hitter of the day today, of course, was Jermichael Green. Um, I was tweeting about him, but he looks, he just all of a sudden projects as this like uber athletic, like small ball five who can switch and defend like one through five. Like, I don't know where exactly this was coming. He, he had a few like put back dunks. There was like one off this like really weird wonky pass that hit the rim that he was able to get back. So I'm not really as keen to that, but I mean, he was active around the rim, grabbing rebounds over Mavericks defenders. He was, you know, he had a three and he had played about as good mobile and agile defense as I'd ever seen him play. I mean, he's, this is a guy who was kind of looked like a, you know, a solid defender, but more of an average defender and, you know, definitely like a stretch four type of guy. He just, his athleticism and he's 32 years old. Uh, was definitely shown at a premium tonight. I don't know where exactly this sort of invigoration came. If it's just playing in the Warriors system, he he feels happy for once. But yeah, he's a he's turned out to be a hell of a role player for them. On yeah, I was about to, yeah I was about to tell you what do you call it. Jermichael Green's like a year away from getting his AARP card. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's only, <laughs> yeah, he's only thirty two, man. Chill out. But um, you know, we we want to we want to pull that card. We got Mister Javale McGee at the end of the bench. Reggie's almost. 32 yeah reggie's yeah. gonna turn 32 in less no reggie's gonna turn 32 in a little over a month guys so oh, javel already has his, his aarp card he's actually you know going to the lunch line for the senior citizen discount too at uh, denny's yeah javel's also <laughs> javel's getting social security checks but um <laughs> i think uh reggie reggie's just on the he's on the brink of maybe joining one of those optional senior living homes his family's having it there his family's recruiting him at the moment and they're they're being like is, is this an option that you want to do do you want to go to sonoma living in plano texas and reggie's like yeah we'll see you know i maybe got i, I might i might just want to just for the hell of it i may just want to have one good more playoff run in me where i actually play good defense and shoot so we'll, we'll see if it has it in we'll see if it has it has it in him i apologize guys my enunciation is waning as it approaches 4 a.m. here um, at Universal Central Time. But nonetheless, we will be back in the morning. We're going to be doing our trade deadline primer podcast. We're going to have two podcasts out tomorrow. They're going to be split up into two parts. We don't necessarily know when we may post both of them at the same time. We may post both them at different times. We'll get it figured out for you guys nonetheless. But Real quick, real quick, real quick. I didn't want to give. I know, I know. Um, and then we're 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 trying to get out of here. I'm trying to get out of here too. But what do you call it? Um, I did want to give one shout out. I did it. I did it last pod. I want to do it one more. Um, for this one. Um, and I, if I've used up my um, my shout out cards, let you me know. It. You get an extra. No, you're good. You get an infinity amount. 
Fair enough. Uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, my boy, uh, my partner in crime back at Sam Houston, he boarded a flight today to Arizona uh, through Living Sport um, and through Sam Houston. Uh, he is going to be taking photographs for the Super Bowl next week. So uh, shout out to my boy uh, and my partner in crime. And I'll definitely send this to him because, yeah, I got a lot of love and respect. And I called my last game as a Sam Houston Bearcat with that man. And I absolutely wanted to give him his, his flowers. I'll probably also give him his flowers on the fan tomorrow um, because he's going to be on radio. Uh, the fan's going to be on radio row. So they'll probably bump into each other. And if anything, I'll just say hi to him for a quick second or something. I don't know. I'll figure something out, but yes, no, oh, that's dope. Alejandro is out to Alejandro. Arizona and is in Arizona right now. Okay. That's pretty Shout dope. Out to Alejandro. We will, you know, we're just going to mess around and probably like use one of his Super Bowl pictures that he takes as a thumbnail for one of our podcasts and just throw everybody off just for <laughs> just why not guys i'll ask him I, see if he'll so if it, so if it send us a picture yeah i'm down yeah uh, I'm, I'm just joking everybody it's 4 a.m and i'm just talking complete gibberish and hearsay at this point so we're gonna go ahead and get out of here because we got a big trade deadline podcast to plow through for you guys tomorrow jaron is out here sporting the double shot energy if you're in the double shot gang stand up for me one time up. i always get my stand double up. shot vanilla or if I'm popping out to 7-Eleven, I'll get a double shot hazelnut. I don't know if any of you I guys got my this double shot energy drinks from Starbucks. I got the triple shot once and it it was it was horrible. The triple shots suck. You can't yep. get them. They 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 have too much caffeine and they don't yep. have but See, the double shots, you get a solid 10 grams of protein. They're they're really this good is my first this is my first double. I got I got mocha. So For those of you guys that want any sort of workout tip, I mean, I, I don't I'm sure you're probably more knowledgeable than me, but you always want to get a little bit of carb loading before you go in, right? It'll activate the pump a little more. So that's why I drink a double shot before I go work out. Because if I just drink a Celsius. That's why I, you could be a spokesperson for. Yeah, yeah we're not sponsored by by Starbucks Mocha Double Shot. But, but I, I, we're on, I'm, you, you bet, you bet. I'm sure as hell pining for it. Double shot sponsorship is on the horizon, guys. Okay, real, real quick, real quick. Give me your best 15 second, like, commercial for double shot. Go. Look. Hi, I'm Will Miller, entrepreneur, and um, every day that I wake up in the morning, my day is off to a, a brisk and grim start. I'm usually crying over the Mavericks loss, and I'm, I'm typically kind of just led astray here with nothing to do, but when I drink a Starbucks double shot, it invigorates a new spirit, a new life, a new energy, seared with guarana of 200 milligrams of caffeine, and all the multivitamins you need to kick your day in the butt. When I get my double shot, I don't just go to work. I go to work. Jaren, did this man say Urana? I can't just say Urana. I can't follow that up. It's going to be like, you know, every night we're staying up till 4 a.m. to produce the best content on mainstream maps. How do I do it? Double shot. Yeah. Uh, 10 out of 10 <laughs> alright with that one I think we're wrapping it up I can't go any longer guys <laughs> we have the trade deadline podcast tomorrow we'll be getting it out for you guys it's going to be huge we're going to be talking about Kyrie all the huge. rumors that are persisting over there with that whole situation obviously we're not tur- turning a blind eye to that I know we didn't mention it on the podcast today but make no mistake about it you go to our Twitter we're, we're definitely going to have a whole podcast dedicated to it that might be the whole part one of the trade deadline podcast. And then obviously we're going to go through a ton of mock trades, diagnose what we think the Mavericks needs are. It's going to be a solid time over here at mainstream Mavs. Um, and maybe we might be doing some interesting things for the trade deadline. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, besides <laughs> that, um, when the actual trade deadline runs uh, rolls around, that is we're, we're, we're thinking about opening up the, uh, the portfolio, but besides that, make sure to, Follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. Make sure to subscribe and like and comment if you are on the YouTube game. YouTube gang, why okay. stand up for the YouTube gang out there? Um, comment what who is the best co-host on the mainstream Mavs podcast? Comment that right now. And Give a thirty-three percent shot. Yeah. All of a sudden, thirty-three percent shot. Whoever, if, if anybody comments out there. Uh, There's a very small likelihood that any of you guys will, but if anybody does, the other two co-hosts will have to do push-ups at the start of the next pod. And, and right. if it's Rodrigo's case, then we're just going to have to hear audible grunts because he doesn't, he can't show his face. 
nonetheless, nonetheless, make sure to um, give us a five star rating and follow us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you guys are listening on, whatever pl- podcast platform. We're on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast mainstream maps is. With that being said, we will catch you guys tomorrow after our trade deadline podcast, Mainstream to the Moon. Bye. Bye.